0: Hi everyone and welcome to this week's trends in the numbers. And today I've a bit of an interesting take to share with you from today's guest mentor who is Francesca Valli. And Francesca believes that the role of the CFO and the finance and accounting organisation is ultimately a role of being the architects of our organisation, particularly when we consider it in the context of a rapid evolution of technology around us. And that's why we get into covering a number of different areas that actually not only I feel help us today in our current work but also helps us maybe prepare some of the ground for the future of things to come by making use of some of the trends that Francesca identifies. So some of the key takeaways in this episode is really one when we look at the context of what we do in our work is essentially about cognitive intelligence automation and Francesca shares some ideas on how we can apply that to best use based on her experience on needing many finance and accounting transformation programs at a number of global, well-recognizable brands. We go a bit deeper into the, say, three things that finance can do to become those architects of our organizations. And also why technology's more of an evolution, not necessarily a revolution in this day and age, and where finance and accounting professionals can perhaps benefit most from those trends and how we can leverage them best to get the most out of our careers and become more influential within our organisation. So look, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, we really appreciate it when you share the show with your friends. You can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify and Amazon Music. If you want to find out more about Francesca, some of her key quotes, full transcripts, how to best connect and more, you can find that at sitnshow.com. And as always, really appreciate you tuning in today. Anyway, that's enough for me for now. So without further ado, over to Francesca and the show. So Francesca, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Andrew. I'm very happy to be
0: here. I was just delighted we could reconnect again and share our conversation with our audience because like you know, I said previously, oh, if only we put this on a podcast, so we're here now together. But before we jump into some areas to discuss and share with our audience, would you mind maybe just taking them through a brief story of your career?
1: Sure. I can do that. Uh, So, Andrew, you know, I'm Italian. You know, I moved to London as a young woman. And I immediately started my career there and then, I have to say, even though the level of my English was very little, let's call it, just because I had studied accountancy in Italy. So when I came to London, I immediately went to work for a Big American corporation, the Intercontinental Hotels, mm-hmm. in the finance and accounting office, and that's how I started. Uh, I started my career with finance and, and accounting line roles, if you like. Eventually, in the mid 90s, I went into IT, mm-hmm. and from there I that opened up a, a career in technology, but also a career in a, transformation in uh, programs of transformation and a career in traveling around the world for work. And uh, I ended up, if you like, from that point, going up that particular ladder, uh, program uh, management, program delivery, Mm -hmm. and transformation, stakeholder engagement. Now, the the pandemic uh, period for me was great because... It gave me a moment of reflection and I thought after a heavy career, heavy operational career in finance, accounting, IT programs, I want to give something back, become an advisor to the CFO and really share the learning, share the learning I've made. I've seen how easy it is to destroy value through programs that are actually not well planned and delivered. So that's where I am, Andrew.
0: Actually, there's some really great points in there. Well, the one I'd love to touch on is how can we avoid destroying the value? I think a lot of us are fearful of that, particularly when in finance we're sort of expected to be able to spot those things happening. But where, where I'd like to maybe go is actually much further back in your career and that move from your accounting and finance foundations your role as a controller assistant controller making that step to it and then taking on the program management path and then all that travel what was that like a fairly deliberate move or was it more of like an accidental move into it was it following an interest or was it just something that happened and you grasped and and did very well at it
1: it was an absolute deliberate move
0: okay
1: the Finance director I was working with at the time within Guinness uh, moved to another part of the Guinness World, United Distillers and wanted to take me with him. I was at that point management accountant in the Guinness head office. He wanted to take me with him, and he said, you can have a management accountant role or you can be a data manager for Euro. And I thought, right, that's my chance to get into IT because I knew in the mid-90s, and now this is the vinal part of my personality that comes out, I knew in the mid-90s that with the Y2K too, yeah. issue, there would be a good career to be made if you knew IT. So it well, at well,
0: least to the year 2000, for some of our younger audience, because the Y2K bug we were all fearful of at the time, right?
1: Absolutely. You know? Yeah. We thought the world <laughs> would was come to end. Thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, I mean, wasn't that a dumb squid?
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well actually i have to say that was probably the worst new year's eve i ever had actually like i was expecting so much stuff to happen it was a bit yeah it was just like oh right was that what it was all about you andrew
1: know? i was there by that time i was actually i'd gone i had become a system analyst okay so oh. coming from my finance background i'd i wanted to do programs i wanted to work in projects of transformation so i was the system analyst for the ERP application, right? So I knew I'd learned then all the, if you like, all the architecture of an ERP. But the, the Y2K, New Year's Eve, we were all there thinking, oh my God, you know, analysis. We need to be able to immediately respond to any to any alarm, which. There was there was none, so I ended up celebrating on my roof with champagne, <laughs> looking at the fireworks coming down towards oh, oh, on the Thames. So. <laughs> well, yeah, you <laughs> had a I... much
0: better one than me. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I probably should have stayed in London for that one. I was actually I, mean, I was actually over in Ireland for that one. Right, but, right, um, right, right. But I've had many, I've had many I don't know, I've had many good ones since as well, to look <laughs> up for it.
1: On hides, another important one, which is this: yes, my moving to IT was absolutely deliberate. I wanted to work in, uh, with technology. I'll go into technology a little bit more later. But also, the other aspect is that uh, coming from Italy, I wanted, suddenly I found myself here in London, in the UK, and I could make the most of the deregulated labor market at that point, when as a professional, you could set yourself up as a, limited company and operating that in that way you know and that was an amazing experience because in Italy and, and again I come from a very entrepreneurial culture of Northern Italy where you will work hard you will do well but a lot of that wasn't open to me as a woman right in those days right and of course, when I came here, immediately working with the American company where meritocracy was a key value. So yes, you worked hard, but you got promoted. As I said, mm-hmm. you know, I started with the, with a the junior role, but I became within a, just a, the space of, few, of a few years assistant financial controller from speaking little, little, even speaking little English. So that kind of deregulated labor market which points to the importance of the environment in which we work right and also it points to the importance i think here's another lesson that i've learned in my career to keeping your ears and eyes to the ground how is the world developing around you how is the world around you how can you make the most of it and um yeah how can you really understand where the world is going so you can stay
0: relevant yeah yes yeah, so, yeah stay relevant or avoid being irrelevant actually that was i know we were talking about books earlier right but um off air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off that's another air. thing our, our audience to realize we, we've had a, a few conversations now and we we talk a lot about different stuff <laughs> or whatever. but actually that I actually that's exactly the subtitle of the the first book I wrote was about you know how do we remain relevant. Yeah and I it's interesting that the more I talk with folks on the podcast and and on others, I kind of feel more of us sh- probably should be looking to spend that time with our ear to the ground and keeping our eyes wide open because you know we are busy. It's important to work hard for the now, but what about the future? Uh, Are we developing the right capabilities? And actually, you made a very good point about environment. What you felt your early success was would have been more challenging back in Italy because the environment perhaps wasn't there to foster that. And I I completely agree, again, my own career journey. But actually, maybe we'll just go on to sort of the capabilities aspect. I mean, based on what you've seen and, and understood and been reflecting on, Francesca, Like, what approaches should our audience be taking towards the capabilities that will set them up well for today and to remain relevant into tomorrow?
1: So that's a great question, Andrew. I was reading the other day a a research by a software vendor, okay, and I, I can't tell you now the size of the research, right? I've got this data somewhere. But the point about that was the result of the research was that 31 percent of global cfo respondents to their research by the way the, the software vendor is Blackline. if it's any yeah. interest to anyone is a one of the new uh, software vendors with which they have developed the concept of the continuous reconciliation continuous accounting and so on they're, they're a, a very reputable um, company. So 31% of global CFO respondents said they do not currently have enough people with software and technology experience within the finance function. Right? So what do you need to do? Finance people finance and accounting people go get yourself some software and technology experience. Right? Because now more than ever it's absolutely essential now andrew you probably would, wouldn't be surprised to know that i'm possibly the last generation that has learned account- accountancy manually okay so for me you know debit and credit posting a journal to the general ledger literally meant a big book you wrote on the right, uh, left. You wrote on the right. You reconciled, etc. So as I grew into my profession, and as technology started supporting finance and accounting, when you post the journal and you click on save, I know exactly what's hid- hidden behind the click on save. I know the processes, the manual, real-world processes behind that. And you know what that did to me? It totally demystified the technology. I'm not yeah, scared of I the agree. technology because, yeah. Yeah. oh, that's what that means, right? Debit here, credit there, and you reconcile the balance, the difference, right? And that really helped me and helped me greatly get into IT. I was never scared of technology thinking, oh, I don't understand, I don't know, I don't know what that does. And that actually helped me. And it is actually helping me even now, because last year, a couple of years ago, I took a course at the London School of Economics on um, automation technology in business, right? And I learned about uh, the new emerging technology, the robotic process automation and all the various cognitive intelligence automation-like machine learning natural language processing etc and and that means now i can have on a par conversation with a vendor or with a cio when they tell me oh it's all artificial intelligence well it isn't really is it okay so that's the important thing the finance and accounting people must do and it's exciting right it's a the emerging technology world is
0: brilliant yeah I, I I completely agree with you Francesca and even in my own world working with multinationals I like I it's I don't know maybe my path is it was very different obviously but I do find myself working more and more with IT and having those conversations and I think I agree with you I think that's a level of understanding around double entry completely demystifies right. it particularly with the bigger ERP projects we are probably. Yes. Involved in in our careers, and then on top of that, I I my father bought me a ZX Spectrum when I was very young, and uh-huh. I was, was demystified programming for me. Now I'm not a programmer; I just don't have the patience now <laughs> to program. But you know, it like when you can do cool things like build like arcade machines by doing a bit of coding in Python, for instance, or you know, do a bit of simple SQL to retrieve some some data points as well and not that i do it much now but like i know the processes that have to, i i can be that link between it and finance exactly uh, and you know, you know and, and um, i think that's important now you with the know, data
1: absolutely and you know quite apart from anything we're not just talking about being smart we're talking about a lucrative career
0: right i i think yeah we talk about being relevant you know like how do we yeah. be relevant tomorrow well what is a growing asset base in organizations well it's their data and apparently i, I don't know if it's a current statistic but i remember hearing somewhere 10 percent of data is only getting accessed by their organizations so think about what's being untapped into and think about the cost of storing unnecessary data Uh, and making sure that you have the relevant data to make decisions upon as well, so the cost of not getting the right data. I think there's a a lucrative space there for accounting and finance professionals to get into to remain relevant in that that area. And then, you know, if they wanted to add further full suite to that, uh, being able to communicate that, uh, tell stories about the data, help people make better decisions, you can build up on that if you want to, or partner with others who can do that and make an awesome team together.
1: But Andrew, you have now touched on about high different exciting (laughs) there's a stack right (laughs) (laughs) because we are now talking about data science right so you talked about your earlier experience as a developer now how much would it take you to learn a bit of python so that you can really understand it's data science right
0: Exactly. Well, actually, I, I joke a bit, but I actually have on my desk a book called Sequel in 10 Minutes. <laughs> so no, it doesn't take that long. It. It's more like applied knowledge, really, yes. you know, it's to drive the wisdom. And actually on data science, uh, if you've got a good statistical foundation, and I know a lot of people who come into accounting and finance do. It was actually one of my first paid jobs at college was I was a statistics tutor you know and again that demystifies the challenge with a lot of the yeah. data science models you can talk their language
1: and, and you know i have to say one of the things that i'm glad that i studied accountancy when i was a young woman in italy is that it gives you such an understanding of numbers
0: uh, and yeah.
1: do not yeah. underestimate that in your life never mind in your profession well, right
0: I, yeah i'd love to get i'd love to get a thought numbers right because like the numbers important historically have been the financial transactions driving profit loss cash flow so on but you know we i suppose been hearing a lot about climate change and world leaders and, and business executives meeting on the cop 26 in glasgow you know, do you feel we have much of a role francesca in monitoring the numbers associated with sustainability and these sustainable development goals and esg and making sure we're doing more of the right things for i suppose non-financial transactions i guess making sure we're tracking those numbers too
1: it's the big question right because i think there's a lot of lack of clarity
0: about Mm, mm, esg
1: ESG, as well as as always a lot of gold dust thrown everywhere Uh, yes
0: yes you know it's everywhere yeah it's all
1: and it confuses everything but It is true to say that the CFO now, the the finance leadership, anybody in finance and accounting, uh, their role is changing, right? They are the architects of the organization. They are the economic guardian of the organization. So that kind of reorientation of their role onto not just doing closing the books historically and sending a report out. It's about actually sitting at the key table and working through all these elements. Because you talked about context earlier. Well, this is all. We talked about the context earlier, the world around us. This is the new world around us. ESG now, there isn't a company that doesn't have an ESG. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of companies <laughs> that have, yeah. have got ESG strategies now because it's important. Now, the key element of that is important is understanding the, the data, the figures behind it, the dollars behind it and all yeah. better than the finance and the accounting people.
0: Yeah, I agree. We had a lovely we had a lady on from, from Africa I was saying like, you know, what do you drive, what do you love about accounting and finance? She loved the fact that we can put structure around things. We can develop the right policies and procedures off the back of it. You know, we can connect different parts of the business together. You know, there's so much we can do to remain relevant.
1: And the other aspect that you bring out again now, but you touched on earlier, that plugs into the changing role of finance professionals. So up until now, we've all had to be Excel with kids, right? Because you do everything on Excel, even no matter what. Your, what uh, how greatly configured your ERP is, but my God, the company that doesn't use Excel, in particular for budget and forecasting, with all these complicated macros, that nobody ends up understanding anymore. So as uh, all this uh, technology related to predictive analytics, predictive yeah. forecasting comes in, and even a simple tool like Microsoft Power BI is great at that without being a monster of an application. Once you once the technology is so good at supporting your forecasting requirements, well then what you need is your finance people are not the WIS kids in Excel. They are the people that can explain the visualization yes. of the data to the rest of the organization. That's another very powerful role for finance and another very powerful skill and competence to have in your
0: okay. books i no, i agree i think we've built a nice little sort of stack there of competences. Yeah. I now i maybe if we take it uh, to a higher level for the organization some yeah. of the finance leaders out there as well is what sort of things should they be doing i suppose to approach this digital world or yeah you know actually i'm going to borrow from the fifth industrial revolution concept of enhanced cognitive intelligence that sort of coming together of machine and human which is probably the world how do we get ready for that world
1: right so now there is such a a a great focus a great light that you've thrown onto the transformation if you like because that world is coming Right? <laughs> Their world is going to be here. I've just written a blog called uh, What If the Cost? I must read it out to you because I think it's quite a nice it's Is, is this like fresh
0: off the press or is fresh it about to hit the the press, press?
1: Fresh off the press, fresh off the press here, right? Uh, the blog is called Automation and Its Discontents, but I'm oh. quoting a technologist uh, that uh, is in the. In a fantastic book called The Glass Cage Why Who Glass Needs Humans Anyway by Nicholas Carr, and uh, it says, What is the cost of machines that think is people who don't? Okay, so there's a whole debate around automation and what it can do, etc. Nevertheless, automation is coming right. The,
0: and I, I just be I, I just be clear on that one when you say automation i think we're you're, we're most familiar with the rpa but you're talking maybe about a slight enhanced type of automation correct. as well
1: i'm talking about what is called uh, what the software vendor call artificial intelligence but in fact it's actually cognitive intelligence yeah, automation yeah, yeah. okay and that is they that is automation that is simply not so simply the technology is fantastic but what we said earlier the, the machine learning that builds and learn from the increased uh, volume of data set that we throw at it, the natural language processing, uh, uh, computer vision, etc etc. Uh, yes I am talking about that, techno- that technology
0: it's an evolution it's a rapid evo- yeah it's there you've well, now, you
1: have yeah, now used tough. the right adjective. it's a rapid evolution. This world is coming fast because technology, the software vendors are very clever, technology is developing increasingly, etc. So, how do we prepare for that world in the context of the transformation? So, for me, within the principles of let's demystify all the, let's keep the world simple, right? The important things are, are, are three things I would say. Andrew, that I would like to pass on to my fellow finance and accounting uh, people. First of all, be strategic, always be strategic. Don't start automating just because it's a passion of the moment.
0: Oh yeah. God, okay? yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> so be strategic. So standardize, standardize first, all your processes, optimize. Yeah. You may need yeah. to think about relocate some functions according to whatever principle. You may need to think about putting in some uh, enabling technology. Now, technology is so great with the cloud uh, solution. And by enabling yeah. technologies, I mean from the uh, optic character recognition, if you like, to read uh, your yeah. invoices. Yeah. yeah. That's when you start
0: introducing the tech. Yeah, the exactly. considering it. Playing around with it exactly exploring
1: vendor portal a nice vendor portal for your purchase to pay end to end processes where the vendor help themselves self help right and the PO is flipped so that it takes one second to turn a PO into into an invoice etc. So, but only then automate. Don't put in an automation technologies yeah. just because you want to you're panicking and you want to follow the fashion. Do all that, then automate and never oh, exactly. automate a bad process.
0: Yeah, ah. exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. And and also another thing I'm gonna throw in there as well is is don't do it just to reduce for the sake of reducing costs. Yes. Oh, yes. You know,
1: correct.
0: You know, because because like that's the cost minimizer mindset. You know, it, if you do it, bring in a technology, do it for a good reason. You're trying to optimize value in some way. Yes, you're, you're trying to be more strategic. You're trying, you know. It, uh, yes, I know people are a big cost driver, and it's you know technology allows you to take the cost out. But you know, try and be a bit more strategic about it, and and. If you think of the value aspect, then you're going to maximize the results. Whereas if you think cost, all you're going to get is minimization and minimization and and it's a race to the bottom,
1: and, it and that's not you, sustainable. Correct, and it takes you to the wrong place, right? Exactly, You want to exactly. open up your ambitions.
0: Yeah, because right? technology is an enabler. As you said, it's an enabling piece, right? Why would you want to enable minimization? You want yeah. to enable probably maximization, I would hope, but and, anyway.
1: And the other thing, going back to the strategy, you know, the London School of Economics would tell you that two are the reasons for the behind the failure of these programmes of transformation, this distraction of value that we refer to. One is the lack of a strategic approach. So just go random or go to the bottom <laughs> or go just for yes, the sake lack of strategic fashion. approach.
0: Yes. A yes. lack
1: of strategic approach is the number one. The number two is the lack of change management capabilities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So here is where I come onto my own because I feel very strongly about change management. <laughs> it's a very misunderstood set of knowledge or practices, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Either because people start talking about people and culture and then nobody knows what the hell we mean by that because every each one of us has a meaning of culture that is probably different, right? And having a... a I actually something else uh, Andrew. not only i've learned a lot about different cultures in my travel but I, I have a, a degree in social anthropology.
0: Okay. Oh jeez! <laughs> actually, I actually didn't know that. I, it's the first time we've talked about that, actually. Yes, so correct. I didn't know that. Yeah. So what is what is social oh, anthropology? Oh my god! What is social ant- anthropology? I, I think I know what I think I know what anthropology is, but what is social anthropology? It's it is fascinating.
1: an awareness of the fact that everybody has a culture. There isn't such a thing as yeah. oh, you know, the West as a, a more refined culture, simply because we go to the theatre or we go to the whatever, to a, to a concert. Yeah. Culture is simply the, the collection of the customs and the habits that people have, that people develop, for living together, okay? Yeah. So, th- that's what it is. I, I loved all that, okay? I loved all that. Not just the study of culture, but I also then became interested very much in the study of cognition which is the way that the mind work which is great for the back up background to the study of automation technology that i'm doing now you see i now yeah. make it sound andrew i make it sound that there is such a a narrative coherence to my career. That probably isn't yeah, well,
0: too much. Well, you've done a great job, I think. And I think our audience would agree that you've rationalized it very well. But I, I think you brought it around nicely because you've just brought it up through the technological angle, the, the, the machine piece. And you also tied in there with the human piece quite nicely. Yes. With, with culture as well. So and and not... this
1: change. Change management. <laughs> so for me, change management, right? Very simple. Number one, you need to plug change management practices within the delivery, right? You know the delivery, you've got all the various work streams for from design to development to testing, et cetera. Yes. Change somehow is left over there without being integrated. That's why it doesn't work. But if you plug your change management, your business acceptance group into the kind of work stream thinking that underpins delivery. That's your best way to ensure that not only you launch, but you drive adoption. Because people people are engaged, not through some kind of ridiculous once a month newsletter, but through <laughs> business focused governance practices that underpin a program of transformation. So yeah. there's a number two, okay? Yeah, number and, one and, strategy and two is change.
0: And and again and again I do think I do think that change piece, accounting and finance professionals can be very strong at that because you know to substitute the transactions and monitoring transactions and recording it with, monitoring engagement, you know engagement. because that is key
1: engagement engagement absolutely stakeholder engagement you need uh, one of the reason I I, I did a a, a a project a, a global delivery of a purchase to pay a trans- transformation for uh, diaggio right the mighty diaggio and uh, of course they are they've got very mature delivery methodology etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's still too, it still to it still takes somebody driven to make sure that nevertheless you apply the methodology right otherwise it becomes a little bit too theoretical And I think my role in there was to say, right, here's a methodology, brilliant, let's all work together, let's assemble a business acceptance group that would really understand and carry out the impact assessment of what the change was, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, because, because I, I have to say, like even in my own experience trying to build a software company, people love the software, love the idea, but it's the adoption piece. So the theory is It's the great. adoption, yeah. And, and people, people rush in, they, they use, oh, this is great, love using it, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, how do we keep people continuing to use it and benefit from it? Because the whole point is to use it. So whether it's software or a new policy or a process or, or getting ready for the integration of, of machine and human and the cognitive, that's cognitive. and
1: and now it's a good point that you brought back because ultimately okay it's a new technology it's the robot uh, working together with the robot but it's the same thing and (laughs) uh, and you the the reason you engage the leadership the reason you engage the people not through what i find ridiculous practices of saying to people oh we are all uh, You know, it's our hearts and mind. Forget that. You Mm -hmm. need robust, business-focused governance that plugs into the delivery.
0: hundred percent, yeah.
1: That's what you need to do. That's how you engage people and you don't patronize people because Uh you really get their input into the impact assessment, the business readiness criteria. You get the leadership. Everybody mapped into, like, a nice change management network to which you communicate at the appropriate level. You know, there are... There are tools, but what there is and certainly something I've developed very strongly, as you can see, I I talk quite passionately, is the fact that it is important. Change management is important because you don't destroy value, you get your return of investment.
0: Right. Hey, that's our job that's to find it. You know, exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's reduce that risk, that discount factor on in the MPV calculation. Don't destroy value.
1: Don't destroy value.
0: Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, so Francesca want to be respectful of time, you know, we're near, near the end of our, our hour together. So I, I what I would sort of ask you is you've given us great advice. What's been the best bit of advice you've ever received?
1: yeah 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 that's a very good uh, a very good uh, thing I tell you what it's my mother's <sighs> advice now this may sound counterintuitive because of what I described the culture I come from earlier where a lot of things the same career I've had here wouldn't have been open to me my mother and she had the wisdom of our a of her age you know a bygone age a a, a wisdom and her mother her father said the same to her and she used to tell me i have to say it in italian because that's how she said it so impara l'arte e mettila da parte which means in life learn a skill and then set it aside because under pinning all day because you never know when you need it right right you never know when you need it and when you will apply when i went into it i would learned the finance skill i had to put them aside for the moment but then my god did i have to bring them back up right because i needed them right social anthropology i did a degree put it aside what do i what do i pull out now that the work of people and robo is essential. That kind of learning, that kind of skill. So I would say in l'arte e da parte is being brilliant. A brilliant awesome. a brilliant this is what my mother left me in terms of wisdom. How does that awesome. sound?
0: Yeah, you know that, that sounds yeah more than advice. That sounds like wisdom there. So uh, thanks. Put into practice. So so definitely thanks thanks for that Francesca. And I suppose uh, you know we mentioned a book earlier. Is there any sort of other books you'd recommend for audience?
1: I am a very avid reader. I read widely, I read a lot, and I love reading. Recently, I have reread uh, from from all sorts, right? From Dickens, Shakespeare, Jane Austen, etc. But in terms of business books, if you like, books that we can read to kind of augment our professional understanding, I recently reread Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'd read it many years ago, I don't think I had understood it, actually. Now I look at it and I think, oh my God, don't go antagonizing people, just make friends. that's the it's, way you influence people is so important
0: yeah i actually that that book when it was recommended to me i think it was like 24 25 it completely changed the course of my career wow and and actually they actually there's actually versions now for kids ah, as well okay uh, uh, so teenage boys teenage girls i i got that for my kids but um but yeah, I love, I, I, just great advice it's in there. Just, Even if someone just took one chapter and worked on it.
1: It's just effectively simple, simple advice. Yeah. And if you read books like more recent, uh, the one about a very popular one on negotiation skills called, into yes. Well, you can read Dale Carnegie behind that, right? Yeah. And, and in fact, it's the Socratic wisdom of
0: asking yes.
1: question, yeah. da, 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 yeah. da, 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 and so on very very democratically if you like not yeah you, you know don't go around telling people what they need to do and how bad they are just show appreciation yeah Though they're working just, together is better
0: right yeah even that's a random acts of kindness. the guy had it sorted you know ages ago <laughs> it was over 100 years ago i think he wrote that one somebody you know it's a great great suggestion i completely support it everyone if you've not read that yet i'll be Look, you know, we always get news listeners on the show. Definitely check that one out. But Jessica, if our audience wish to continue the conversation with you, where's the best place to connect with you at?
1: Possibly easiest, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I have a website as well. If people wanted to take a look at it, it's www.chris.online. And Chris is spelled C-H-R-Y-S for sugar how
0: does that sound awesome we'll put that link into the show notes as well if uh, folks yeah how say i've been able to write that one down and look uh, i suppose in terms of wrapping up maybe any you know look you've been such a great guest for us francesca and and we had a great conversation before and we'll have many more after i know right but do you have any parting thoughts for our audience for now just
1: don't be scared right don't be scared the world is out there it's fantastic not withstanding the challenges just go go learn keep yourself relevant I think that's a big thing for me you know so but Andrew it's been my complete pleasure and you and I can probably talk for the next five hours
0: easily (laughs) easily easily so yeah no so I'm looking forward to our next conversation already Uh, but Francesca look just thanks for being such an awesome guest sharing such great uh, knowledge and also wisdom with us as well and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks again for coming is, on the show.
1: It is I that, uh,
0: that thank you. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at SITNShow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs.